Hey guys, Jeremy here. I just wanted to take a half a second and say thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. This week, Battalion Chief Corley Moore, the Moore, Oklahoma Fire Department. Corley's been a firefighter for over 20 years, currently serving as a battalion chief, but he's also widely known across the country for his firehouse vigilance social media pages and his weekly scrap podcast where he interviews some of the biggest names in the business with live interaction through his Facebook Live on a weekly basis. Corley has become a good friend, an incredible mentor to many in the American Fire Service, and he's spreading the good word every single day. And so without further ado, let me introduce Corley throughout this week's podcast. Hey guys, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, on the Zoom again. Rob, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Rob, it's always good, man. We got to get back in the studio. We got to get back doing this in person. But I will tell you, the Zoom has forced us to find others outside of our area that we can do via Zoom instead of in the studio because uh, tonight's guest, who probably does not need any introduction, if you're into podcasts and you're into the fire service and you're into the, the one percenters, the heavy hitters, uh, this guy interviews them all. Uh, and uh, without further ado, I want to introduce uh, Corley Moore, uh, the, uh, the moderator, podcaster of the Weekly Scrap, uh, Firehouse Vigilance, you name it. He's the one that's never ending the fight against complacency. Corley, thanks for joining us, pal. Guys, I am super excited to be here, Jeremy. Rob, uh, I can't tell you how many I've listened to, and now to sit here and get the interview is uh, pretty exciting. I am stoked, and I, I told Rob about this, and he was excited too, um, and so on. And I, I will just say that it's it's awesome because for me, like I, we'll get into the whole story, right? But I want to do a little backstory real quick. Um, and, and it should be said that Rob and I are both going to be on your show, uh, down the road as well. Yes. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, a vice versa switch here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm super excited for tonight because I want to learn your backstory. And I think that the backstory really paints a picture as to who you are and why you do what you do, because if people aren't familiar, uh, with firehouse vigilance and, uh, in your platform, your social media platforms, you're also an author, uh, you are a battalion chief in Moore, Oklahoma. So your pedigree is full. Your plate is full. Um, and I can appreciate that because I know how, you know, full our plates are too, Rob and I, with everything that we do, but it's so important to get the backstory. And a lot of times when we're out front, we're the ones doing the moderating and the interviewing. Um, a lot of the guests don't get to learn our backstories, right? Because we're the ones asking the questions and not getting the answers. Um, so tonight, I think it's a great opportunity to kind of fill in some gaps, maybe of some, uh, maybe some of your listeners who know know you through your podcast and you uh, in your through your book and your writings uh, and so on. But tonight's a great opportunity to, to hear firsthand. Uh, Rob, go ahead, brother. We're, we're going to get to the saying tonight is going to be get to know more because we're going to get to know more about Corley Moore. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm gonna be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like know. How, I don't know how I feel mm -hmm. about that. I we know. also got dad jokes, apparently. <laughs> Ah, Rob's proud of himself, and yeah. we're like, oh, no, I'm kidding. That was good, Rob. That no, was good. That wasn't good. That felt <laughs> flat right off the bat. And the there thing we is, go. My, my wife does have a tattoo. It's on her foot, and it says, love you more, or forevermore. Sorry, I'm going to get it wrong right here on, on <laughs> forevermore. <laughs> so the play on words is not lost. There you go. Well done. Well done. Well, Chief, welcome. Uh, welcome. Uh, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a great opportunity to, uh, to get your story out there and to, and to learn it ourselves. So why don't we start with chapter one? Let's start from the beginning. Um, you know, uh, give me a little bit about your childhood, your upbringing, what brought you to the fire service, and, uh, and, and away we go. All right. I'm going to try and do a three-word answer here and then just sit there and look at you. Do it. No, I challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> I know how hard it is when people cut off the, the answer. So exactly. Probably the number one thing that made me the person I am is, is my father. 
and awesome. good, good or bad. Uh, it, he is a very unique and special person. And I'll just give you a, a brief rundown of uh, when my age, I think I want to say age one to two was in Australia because he was a missionary to Australia starting. A oh, wow. There. Okay. And so I don't remember it, but I've got, you know, family pictures of me wrestling kangaroos and petting zoos and things like that. And so uh, coming back from that, he became a senator in Oklahoma, state senator. No kidding. Uh, 1980. And then after that, he decided to build a boat to go to the South Pacific to be a missionary. And so he spent, I don't know how long traveling. I think I hit 48 states of the Union while he traveled. And so it's a very unique childhood that my father presented to me as he did these uh, adventures throughout his life. So to that, is, that is incredible. I, like, so, I, I, I want to jump in here and, and ask real quick, because there's a lot of people that talk about doing missionary work. Like, and, and like what? Real quick, what was your father's missionary work like? Because I, I would, I would imagine there was a, a part of that that like really just bled its influence into you. Uh, well, for like, uh, it's the first Southern. If I get it wrong, first Southern Cross Baptist Church of New South Wales, Australia, and it's still there today. It's the church he went and founded there, mm-hmm. and so they, I think they just celebrated their fortieth or forty fifth anniversary, and so they contacted him because he's the one who founded it. So, but it was in the uh, the major metropolitan area of Australia. It wasn't like he went to the outback or anything right. like that. But no, he was a Baptist missionary just uh, spreading the gospel. That was his and, mission in life. And did you, so as you traveled around with him, right? So, I mean, missionary in your very early ages in Australia, they come back to Oklahoma, becomes a senator? Well, he was part of a movement called Christians for Good Government. So he's very, you know, conservative, very Christian, trying to get Christians elected. And that was part of that movement. Now, one thing I got to say is, is, and this is not a knock on my dad, because I, I, it took me a long time to figure out that it's the same. Um, it took me a long time to figure out I wasn't broken, so to speak. So I'll explain real quick, which is yeah. the IS, ISTP personality. Do you guys know anything about the, the letters and all that? No, uh, give it long, to me. Long story short, uh, I'm a classic ISTP, which means when I see a problem, I'm infatuated and, and completely uh, obsessed with how to fix the problem, right? Can this problem be fixed, okay? Which, it sounds great because it means you go around fixing the problem, but it's not, it's not how it works. Once I understand the problem can be fixed and that it'll be worked, that whatever idea I come up with will work, I no longer care about it. I just, okay, that will work. Okay, on to the next idea or next problem. So it's very uh, dysfunctional. And I thought I was broken. And you do a fire department podcast. No way. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, I, what is it? ISTP? ISTP. Look at, it's a Myers, or Briggs, Myers Briggs. Is that the thing? Myers All right, well, Briggs. here. Well, thank you for just classifying me with ISTP. I appreciate it. <laughs> Never did I know that that's what I had, but I, I run the same thing. I have the same issues. Yes, I really do. I get bored of things very quickly once I figure them out and, and then I'm ready to move forward yep. to the next challenge and instead of executing. It's usually right at the point where it's about to be successful or, or Correct. do good. And it's like, ah, I'm done with this. Let's, let's, let's go start a new project. Look at uh, Rob. Look- Rob's laughing, by the way, because this is, that is me to a T now. Who is that? So who, who was the uh, uh, Myers Briggs? You can look them up on the internet. You can yeah. take one on the internet, and it'll tell you what your classification is. Oh my As god! It, right, right after this tonight, that's happening. No, it's fun. I'm telling you, classification was, tonight, Jeremy Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> that's his own I class. Have, when Lord. I took it, it was such a like weight off my shoulders when I read it, and I said, "Oh, I'm not. My brain's not broken. This is a thing that like other people do." And that's so, and a- it's crazy when people get those personality tests and take them. It's crazy when they see like, holy crap, this is me. This is how I handle conflict. This, you know, anyway, it's great. Well, that, I, I hope that sheds some comfort because it's always been a struggle for me that, and it stri- drives my wife crazy, drives my coworkers crazy, drives everybody crazy. I'm an idea man. I'm a creative yeah. man. And then I put it all together. I package it up and then I'm done with it. Yes. hundred percent. But stick, uh, 
the follow through for me is is where you know i'm like hey this is great this, is, this would work okay on to the next problem that i yeah. want to try and solve and I, so I, go, ahead, go ahead i was I, I would i would try to rope like my firefighter buddies into stuff like i would be like hey let's do it let's do it. this was probably seven eight years ago it might have been longer i said let's do it let's do a pop culture podcast dude you i was talking to one of my firefighters he's like he just held up his hand and said hey i don't want to do a corley project right? <laughs> so, i like that i like that they got you brother yeah. they know they know but, but now I understand that's also a lot of how my father was. He would see a problem, want to solve. He would go on it, and then he, once he once he figured out it would work, he was on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I just touched on the highlights of his life. Sure, there's a ton of other projects that he's done. But how incredibly influential is that on you, right? Yeah, so massively. in your yeah. in your real impressionable years growing up, you're traveling with him, you're seeing uh, you're seeing charity, you're seeing driven mission work, which is you know for the betterment of the people, right? So you're getting a lot of um, service. And all these things that just portray into and pour into you as an impressionable kid. I mean, that's really got to set the foundation, no? I never really uh, just analyzed it back there like that, but that's very, very true. No, I mean, and the other part was, is especially in the probably age like nine to 13, I think we traveled pulling a trailer to a different church in a different state, different city every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So wow, the single incredibly friend. There's a yeah. lot of single serving friends, if you know what I mean, as far as like you meet them, you get to hang out with them for a couple of days and you're on to the next church, you know? And yeah. so that was, a, I'm sure that affected my personality and, and, uh, uh in some way, shape or form. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, how impactful is that? Right. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I, I look at the service aspect because I mean, what, what your, your father had no affiliation with the fire service. No. Did you have any family roots to the fire service? No, I'm the first generation kicking it off. So uh, as you, as you grew up and, and you have all these influences that are just pouring into you, um, how did you find the fire service? Fire service was, was honestly, uh, accidental and meant to be so and i only know meant to, i only know meant to be in hindsight in retrospect you know and so well give uh, me I accidental was, i was 19 my wife i had a, a wife young wife a baby that was not even a year old and i was working minimum wage job at auto auction and uh, that was my life and that was pretty much the trajectory of my life and uh 19 19 married with a child yes i i, I stacked the deck for success wow you know Wow. Well, you know what <laughs> you did because your upbringing, right? Your upbringing has a lot to do with all of that. Does it not? I can't knock that. That's very true. Right. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. The, uh, my dad actually was, had a guy, he was teaching Sunday school and, and working at a church and he's always been involved in church. Obviously you can tell. Uh, but one of the guys that was in his Sunday school class was the fire chief of Moore. And he said, Hey, we're hiring just so you know, if you know any good young men and my dad, of course he's, I've moved out. I'm living, I'm living in a, in a one bedroom apartment that I can't barely afford. And, uh, wow. you know, we used to tra- travel to my parents' house and eat, eat food because we didn't have a lot of food at the, at the apartment. But, uh, so enrolled in EMT class because that was one of the things you had to do. And then luckily I, I was just out of high school. So I was still, I played football every year. So really, uh, relatively good shape. And then the other thing was I was always an avid reader and I was really good at taking, uh, ACT, SAT type tests. Right. And so the fire service kind of cycles between we want smart guys. Oh, we want guys with practical knowledge. We want smart guys, you know? And so at that point in the late nineties, they were really high on smart guys. Yeah. So they were, they were putting a lot of weight in the written test and I scored really well on the written test and, and I got on more the first time I tried out and, uh, and had, what, what were your early twenties at that point? I was 20, 20. Yeah. So, wow. 
That's what a what a cool story. I mean, and you, you totally hit it there too. Like, you know, I, I I'm a big I'm a big believer in influences, right? Your upbringing, and that's why I always ask that question, that chapter one question: What kind of kid sure. are you, and and so on? Because it kind of paints a picture. And when you start talking about, um, you know, not to not to inflate ego, but when you, you kind of like the 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 package because you have the smarts, you're well read, you test well, but you have the physicality of it too, right? You're you're a football player. And so on. So you you have that package, right? And the fire service needs that. You know, we need smart, aggressive, physical leaders. I agree with that. Um, yeah, and I, I think for yourself too. Not only that, but at 20 years old, getting on the job, still incredibly impressionable. No? Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing: is is uh, I, let me qualify my athleticism because I played uh, class B football in Oklahoma, which is eight man football. So if any, if, if I don't know if people know what eight man football is, but so I don't want to overhype my. Uh, athletic prowess. I did make all state in that class B. Up up until right now, nobody knew and nobody cared. So you right you on. just you just hey, pulled just, the carpet out from under you. I just want to be extremely <laughs> clear. I was like 158 <laughs> pounds soaking wet, and uh, but yeah, and now you do jujitsu, so I think you're okay, right? Yeah, I mean, you right. know, I, I think you're okay. But you know, I I just and so at 20 years old, right? You test well, you get hired the first time you apply. Super competitive at that time in the oh, 90s. Yes. Oh yes, oh yes. So okay, I want to so say super there was 600 people that went for six positions. And uh, okay, paint the picture for me. More Oklahoma. How big of a city is this? And what? How many guys are on the line? X, Y, and Z. At the time, it was a three station. Uh, probably about sixty guys on the line. Uh, you know, twenty men per shift, uh, roughly. Uh, and you got and you had six hundred people that tested for that right. for those. I want to say that and, was, was it. Took like two classes, I believe. To or two, and how many two, guys did they put on? Six. Six with you. So you got mm -hmm. six hundred people going for six positions. I believe that was the numbers. Don't quote me on it. Yeah, no, it, I it get was, it. It was really high, high, uh, highly competitive. Hell yeah, man. So where I'm going with this, right? 20 years old, you have a, a wife, a, a child in an apartment that you're struggling to keep the lights on. Eat that mom and dad's way. house. And a child what? on the way. I have to throw that in there. The child and another like, one on the way. Number two was on the way because, again, we were pretty smart. So what I'm looking at is not only not only are you, you know, uh, the, the physical aspect, the educational aspect, but you're hungry, man. You had to be hungry, right? I mean, you're you're a hard worker, go getter, come from strong roots, right? You're hungry, and this background of like service. I mean, right? You know, well, I don't. I, you guys make me sound really, really. Uh, I like the, I like the picture you're painting. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. That, we are we are pitch men, but Corley, I'll tell you this too. I do know how humble you are, and it should be pointed out though that these are these are things that I hope after we leave this interview tonight, you think about it a little bit because sure. truly, from an outsider looking in, like there's nothing more. I mean, I have four children and, and, a, and a beautiful wife, and I know that I work as hard as I can for them, and so I could only imagine if I was in that position. I mean, you're hungry, man. You gotta you oh. gotta provide. You have responsibility, right? So you're gonna do everything to excel and do very well at that job. And there's the thing that is like most of the guys who I hired, in fact, every one of the people I hired on with took a pay cut to come to the fire department. It's that good of a career. So you come in, you know, but they all, they were all established professionals in some way, shape or form. And they all took a pay cut to come there. Me, I was dancing, man. Hell yeah, went, brother. Yeah. I think I went to $21,000 for that first year and then close to $30,000 on that. After that first year, I was like, Holy oh, rolling in it. We're going yeah, to Sizzler, I, baby. I hit, we're going yeah. to Sizzler. Well, let's bring Sizzler back. <laughs> So Corley, paint this picture for me, man. You walk in the door of the firehouse. You have no, you have no practical knowledge of the fire service prior to being hired, right? right. I mean, you went through EMT, you said, yes. right, which was a prereq, right? So you get to the firehouse, and let me ask you: that first day when you walked in, or maybe that first week or first month, give me some impressions you had, man. What? How did it? How did it answer? Did it answer your expectations? Did you have any expectations? What were you looking for? No, I, I wish I could. Uh, you know, I, I would say that 
my expectations is we, the culture of the more fire department has evolved obviously over the years. I mean, that's a statement you can probably apply to anything, but uh, the culture at the time, it was easy to be complacent. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay. And not, not, and not, the goal was to do as little as you could each shift. And this is not a knock on my department. It's where we were. You know, we're lucky that nothing bad happened. Uh, I, is- I'd say that I, I talked to um, Dr. David Griffin in the Charleston nine. And he, you know, one of the big things he says is your, you know, all the, all the flack that Charleston took after that event, he said, you, you got, you know, every department out there, not every, but many departments out there are one call away from being in that same boat, you know, oh, I believe because that. of their, their practices, you know, sure. they're, they're not. And so, but nothing erases personal responsibility. I'm responsible for my own actions, but I uh, settled into the fire department as a young 20 year old. And basically I was the opposite of everything that I am now. If that makes any, I, I had to grow into what mm-hmm. I now am. I was immature. I did not appreciate the job. I did not appreciate my, uh, my relationships with my wife and kids. I, I was a fireman that was going to kick indoors, save babies, kiss ladies. Uh, not to say I was a, a womanizer or anything like that, but I was young and, and immature, I and I did I did not appreciate the job. I get it, but over so, time you do, and over time oh, you have, that. right? So um, let's talk about some influences, right? I but, mean, you get you get into the fire. So, go ahead, Rob. What do you got? So, I, and I'm, I just uh, there's something that you said. You you know you you talked about the the change of the department um, and and the evolution of it, but like for me, one of the things when I looked at your 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 bio you know you're starting in 1997 correct correct two years before you have the oklahoma city bombing correct which is this major response and i you know having gone to the memorial um one of the one of the uh, people that was up there working was like like there's you know, you know if, and for anybody who hasn't been there the time you enter the one side and it's the time before the blast and then when you exit it's the minute after and like the guy said like well up until this point we were just you know, Oklahomans, and like we didn't really think anything would happen. And then this this incident touched us, and we joined the ranks of everybody else. And a minute later, we were forever changed. So, like even in that, like you had this significant event that was very very close. And like you know, and, and my one of my questions is, was was there any of that um, aftermath? Like as far as like the service, because that that's what I remember that morning. You know, I, I, as a kid, I saw that building, I saw the gaping hole, and then it was firemen and paramedics who were were there pulling people out of the rubble and it looked dangerous there was debris hanging from the building and i don't know if they should have been in there or not i don't really care they were out there getting and, and making grabs and saving people right. so I would, I would think that just having that in your backyard so to speak had to have an influence a, a, as well at least or you know and, and maybe it didn't i don't know I no no i think it was a major catalyst i mean i don't think that you can have an event like that and it not be a major catalyst moving forward and most of i mean every department around there backfield if they didn't go down and work at ground zero itself of right. the, the murrah um so uh again i think part of the reason when i talk about the number of applicants that came out for the job in 97 was a direct result of the the bombing yeah you know, makes sense before and even I remember going to EMT class in 96, uh, late 96, and they had to actually change the age requirements because they were getting so many applicants coming in. And so you had to be, they had to change it to 18. So I think you could do it at 16 before then. And so uh, because there was just so much of an outpouring of trying to become a first responder at that point, trying to help. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I get it. 
So as, as you go and as this career ticks on, right? I mean, so, okay, you're young, you're having fun, right? In the beginning, I mean, you're kicking open doors and, you know, we want to oh, go to yeah. fires. It's the greatest I job mean, on earth, man. Even back then when I didn't appreciate it, yes, the best parts of everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe paint a picture a little bit about more. I mean, is it a, is it a fire town? Is it, uh, does it, did it have its, did it have its day? Is it having a day? I mean, what, what's over the last 24 years you've had to see some up and downs. Maybe that will paint a picture a little bit as to how you fall in line and fall in love with this job. I think that uh, when I hired on, we uh, Moore was famous before. I'm talking in the past for you had to run to the bank and cash your check to make sure you got paid. You know, and this was the past. You know, so I'm not talking the, the current. And but those are the stories the old guys would tell us. And I think the guys, the generation before me, really, really struggled to or, or fought. I, I don't want to say struggle. They they fought to get all the benefits and amenities that I enjoyed as I came into it. Yeah. So in. Uh, you know, there was a process going on when I hired on and it, it came to fruition in 2007, 2008, where we got all brand new stations, added a fourth station. And so we have these, I mean, if you ever come to more, I'll give you a tour. They are brilliant uh, Taj Mahals, so nice. to speak, of, of mm -hmm. brand new fire stations. And But they fought for not only that, but like pay. You know, they got us on a metro average with all these cities across the, the metro area and like like uh, sized cities. And, sure. But that was their fight. Their fight was getting those, the pay up, getting those uh, rigs. You know, we had a fire one time that was in our paper where it was a barbecue place that burnt down. And the, the front page of the newspaper was, I believe it was two of our rigs being hauled off by uh, wreckers because they were that, that <laughs> dilapidated and, and falling apart. And that, that newspaper prompted, you know, a tax bond to start upgrading our apparatus. Sure. And, and so, so when I, I don't ever want to cast aspersions on the culture because that was their fight. Their fight, of course, was of course, living oh, yeah. wages, and so their fight wasn't the 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 culture of uh, complacency can kind of creep in when that's your fight. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, no, I get it completely. It goes right on what the focus is, and I know right. just from being in the, the union shoes, like you're, you get so tunnel visioned on on the men and or women, yes. you know, whoever's in the local, and making sure that you're taking those progressive steps for everybody that you can very much lose sight of the, you know, I don't want to say the job that you're there for, but you know, you, you can get yourself lost in that. So no, it is but, easy to lose the focus. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. But no, but I was going to say too, though, but that's things evolve, right? Like you have to, you're not going to build a positive culture if the foundation's not strong. Right. So the generation before you paved the way for the men and men and women of the department. Now it's your generational turn to now build on that foundation that was built right? They better pay, better facilities, better equipment. Now they're giving now you, focus, yes. Yeah. Now they're giving yeah. you the ability to now expand on that and now bring in everything else that fills those gaps. No. And I got to say that I, I don't know if I, you know, hindsight again, now I wish I could have those conversations. Maybe I will sure. call some of those guys up and say, Hey, because some of it was just like, uh, I got a it. lot of button heads. Like they did not feel appreciated. The old sure. guys versus the young guys and everything. So there's, there, uh, anyway. listen, that there's a lot of that and that happens everywhere. Um, but I think too, though, it's recognizing the value, you know, it might've been, you know, where we put emphasis, uh, you know, look at today, we put emphasis, uh, emphasis, emphasis on, thank you, Rob, on, um, you know, uh, you know, hose packs, hose stretching, truck work, like we're, we're fully tactical in oh, yeah. our considerations nowadays. And that's how we judge departments typically today. Nobody's talking about all the other things that nobody ever sees, right? That, that got you to that tactical conversation. Right if those things aren't sound, you're never going to get to the tactical conversation about how good you are. You know what I'm saying? No, that's real. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. Good so, conversation. 
All right, cool. So more. So, all right, you young, fun, going to fires, riding a back step. I mean, things are good, right? Equipment's starting to get better. Oh, yeah. Newer firehouses, right? Things pay, are starting to happen for you guys. Yeah, yeah, right? So things are good, man. Things are good. So at what point did you, was it a momentary thing? Was it a, you woke up one day and said, shit, man, I'm really into this. Like, this is, this is the game. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to buckle down. I want to dial in. I mean, did you have that conversation with yourself or was it just naturally natural progression over time? The answer is yes, but uh, do yeah, it. I think, I think like, if you go back to, as a kid, uh, back to the, like you said, chapter one, I have always been utterly infatuated with, and it's going to sound terrible, but how to get people to do what I want. Hell yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, what can I <laughs> dude? I, I get it. Go, man. You know, I hurt no, my but... I get it. I get okay. it. Go ahead. So, but it's not, it's not, it's not a manipulation. I mean, it's no. it, for lack of a better term, but it uh it's just like, why would he do that when I said this or did this? And why did that person not react the same way? And it was all I can remember doing it as a kid, like young. And so as I grew older, I discovered that uh it mattered so much, like to get people to want to do things at the firehouse. When, when you can get people to want to do things, then you win. Uh, it's so much better than telling them to do something. And <laughs> oh my God, this is fantastic. So that became a giant rabbit hole for me of, you know, how do I expand and, and build on? Cause there's so much out there. You know, if you look at the library of, of books and it's, let me see if I got, I don't know if I have something around here. I should have brought something in here because they are festooned with these little things that I keep everywhere. And they just got notes upon notes upon notes. And, and it's just me trying to get better and better at understanding why people do what they do. And so again, it's part of my broken brain. If that makes sense. Um, uh, it makes perfectly good sense. I get it because I guess you and I share the same broken brain because this is, you know, not only is the ISTP coming into play, but I mean, this is almost like a therapy session for me tonight. I want you to know I, I'm that. Feeling, I, I'm feeling that. Like we got a kinship here. We're like bromance. For sure, man. For sure. But I agree with that 100%, man. I'm a process guy and I love figuring out the process and figuring out the people along the way in the process. And, you know, leaders and, and people, people that take charge, know not only how to um, figure it out, but they also know how to play the people in the game to get them to that end goal. And it's, it's really a, I don't think I worded it rightly or correctly. It probably was, um, you know, pretty sophomore how I just said that, but it, 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 there is a process to everything to the end game. And when you have a vision like that, and it does start very young. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I mean, it was the same, I was the same way, man, hundred percent, the same way. No, get you to where you want to be. And I'll rabbit hole here and you can cut this out or whatever. No, go. I, I used to get, I used to get, uh, well, I just lately I'm infatuated with this idea of, of, I had Garrett Rice on from the colony and the you know, battalion chief. And I was asking him a question. The question was, can people change? It was a really dumb question. I felt bad even after I asked it because of course people can change. You know what I'm saying? But the, the thing that I'm trying to, to articulate is when something happens when you're a kid, you know, you start down these, these, branches of choices in front of you and you take one and that gives you two more choices and you take one but you 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 kick this way and it compounds on itself you know when it happens very young and i think that to get off that path that you're on good or bad because i like i see two guys come in in a rookie class you know the same age and same generation i mean almost identical but one guy is super likable and loved and one guy is like picked on and i don't want to say bullied but like uh, not likable for lack of a better term, you know, and I'm not even talking about my department. This is just a, this just a, a, sure. uh, and I'm infatuated by 
what causes one to be one way and the other one to be likable? What is this likability trait? So uh, like I said, it's a rabbit hole as I try to figure out when I ask, can people change? You know, once you, once you diverge and go down a path, of course, if you kick, you can start kicking back. But once you go so far, it's just who you are. And to change off that is so tough. Sorry, I hope that makes sense. No, it, may, it makes perfectly sense. My, but the follow-up was going to be, do you probe? Say do you probe? Do you, like, you as, you're a battalion chief now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you have the ability now to probe a little bit to oh, ask no, some questions. Yeah, and I, that's, My whole shift is a Petri dish, and they know it. And I, yeah. they, they laugh about it. Uh, <laughs> they laugh about it. And uh, But no, they uh, most of them enjoy it, I, I think. Maybe I'm <laughs> fooling myself. That's fantastic. I love but most it. of them are now actively involved in it. That's, so, right. That's such a great... Like this conversation is awesome because like people will write books on, on leadership and they'll be like, Oh, and like management, and this is how you get your team to work X, Y, Z. But like, I think that's, that's great because like, it's the, the, I don't say the golden rule, but it's like rule number one, like give a crap about the people Oh yeah. and understanding like the likability of one person versus the other and what's gotten them there is the first step in like taking like right and then the first step of being a leader is taking charge of your people it's a, it's literally a way of taking charge of somebody and being like all right like what's going on that's got got them this way and i i, I love that analogy of like this you make a choice and this branch comes out and you can kind of go over and you can kick back and then there's a point where it's you know i guess this would be ingrained in someone to be that so way, many branches down that yeah yeah it's like but even, even those who are like all those branches down if i have a better understanding of what made them that branch i can figure out how to make that branch work for, for my problem you know and i just i, I think that's, that's a it. great no that's a, that's, a, that's articulate and again I, when i said when i like i prefaced that with this is a rabble a lot of times my uh, thought processes aren't fully fleshed out i'm trying to to word them so i, I appreciate rob actually articulated it better well, i hope trying. i hope we're challenging you a little bit tonight you know like no. this is good I, i'm i'm really enjoying this because we're we're hitting on some fantastic stuff and and so on. So, uh, but I do, I want to get back. I mean, this is, this is awesome, but I want to kind of dive okay, into yeah, your career yeah. a little bit too. Sure. Um, mentorship, super important to you. I would think, um, you know, with everything that you do through firehouse vigilance and the weekly scrap and, and everything and the influence you have outside of the firehouse and outside of the city of more, right. Um, you talk about passion, training, mindset, culture, relationships, trust, leadership, right? Yes. You inherently had this from an early age, right? A lot of this in you, like we just talked about going down this rabbit hole, right? But there had to be some mentors too, some people in more or surrounding communities or, or somewhere that you met through conferences or training that maybe you look at them and say, you know, these guys or girls have had a tremendous impact on me uh, and so on. I mean, do you have, or I'd like to believe you do. And if you do, maybe you could share some stories or something that you think uh, of value that, that came of it. Uh, 100% the number one mentor in my life in the fire service is Scott Lance, Chief Scott Lance, uh, battalion chief. He's the battalion chief that just retired um, last year, December of last year. And so he did 37 years at Moore. Nice. And uh, he started, uh, I want to say 83, quote, early 80s and, and just, re well, last year, so we can do the math from there. But um, when I hired on, I was sent to his station. Uh, I spent two years, but on my third year, I want to say I was sent to his station so he could straighten me out. <laughs> uh, so to speak. And uh, I was his firefighter when he was a driver. When he promoted to company officer, I promoted to driver and I became his driver. Nice. When he promoted to battalion chief, I promoted to captain and became his company officer, one of his company officers. And then uh, at the end of his career, I became a battalion chief and we spent a little bit of time on separate shifts at equivalency. But uh, it was, it was, uh, that is was awesome. The, the number one influence on my life uh, as a firefighter. So yeah, clear. Yeah, and, and, and arguably, 
overall, but it's arguable. And what? Why? I mean, like you know, not to uh, not to. How do I you how know, do I articulate that? Well, and and I'm not I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but no, no. I'm curious. I'm curious what what was it? Was it his style, his demeanor, his uh, his his likability, his his caring and compassion? And again, I'm going to give you the one word answer of yes, but yeah, I'll, I'll awesome. Artic- uh, his uh, imp isn't quite the right word. Uh, it is, but he could make. Any, like he could sit down with you and you he, you would feel like he knew you for since forever and he's not a touchy-feely actually he is if you know him but he's if you just met him he's a he grew up on the south side of okc um he liked to fight um rough and tumble dude uh go ahead it just like humility is what i i'm picking up from how you're describing him. He's a guy that's I mean, got a lot of humility. He, he does, but he also doesn't. So you have to, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of this dichotomy. Yeah. Uh, right. But right. he can make, he can relate to anybody. And and no matter what you were going through, he has been there and he has done it. And he would give you, he would shoot straight. He had an ability to have candor with anybody he spoke with, but not make you feel like you were being judged. Yeah, and I like that. That makes sense. So, no, it does. Yeah. That's that's powerful, man. That's oh, powerful, I've never right? met anybody with that combination of skills that, that the man had. And to be impressionable early in your career, I mean, it sounds like after your first two years, you you were hooked to him and and were with him on a regular basis. So what an incredible influence I'm sure he had in your impressionable years, right? I would, and, and just to not just yeah. interrupt you, his influence, I'm a battalion chief. Another one of his company officers is now a battalion. Is the battalion chief that replaced him in December. Uh, the de- Our current deputy chief is another one of his mentees. Uh, so his impact on this department is, uh, is going to be felt for decades. Really, what, like, what were some of your, like, because I, I always look at mentorship as like, I, I was being mentored at certain points, and I didn't even realize it. And probably some of the people, if I went back to them today and said, hey, you really were, you're doing a good job of mentoring me, they'd be like, I didn't mentor you. <laughs> right. But, you know, like, what, it, not that there's going to be a, like, because I, I don't think you can say, like, there's a specific thing, like, like, oh, yeah, this date, this time, I realized it. But when, there's like more of like you, you develop an awareness that like, Hey, like this is more than just uh, my coworker, my boss, et cetera. Like there's a, there's a point where they're, they're really starting to, to give you that mentorship and you have this self-realization. Did you experience that? And what was it like? Man, I don't think there was a, a specific, I'm, I'm struggling, yeah. but a specific moment. Uh, I just wanted to be Scott Lance from like the very first time I met him. So uh, and the guy has a has an incredible story. I mean, honestly, you should have him on here and talk to him. I mean, I mean that. Love to. He has an incredible story. Uh, but his uh, serenity date, which is getting out of rehab, is uh, it was on a Zippo. And I may be getting the time wrong, but I know he had a Zippo that had the, my my hire date on it because I always used to make fun of it because that was when he got out of rehab. And uh, wow. And so I always used to talk to him about his serenity date was the day they hired me. <laughs> and so, but no, I always wanted to be him. We were connected yeah. to him on our. Go ahead. It, yours, yours, uh, you know, I, you listen, it sounds like you might have been uh, very impactful on him as well. And, you know, uh, the way things play out and the, you know, the date and you coming in at a time of his life where, you know, he might have needed some type of uh, ability to mentor. Um, this whole thing just sounds like an incredible story for sure. No, there's no doubt about his. Uh, so, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about it. And and just the sheer amount. And, and the thing is, we spent so much time together because a day off job, we'd go and mow. One of our chiefs had a contract with the city to cut the grass of the overgrown houses. So, you know, they were nasty sure. yards, six foot high grass, you know, onion weed and garlic. And it's just nasty jobs. And we'd 
drive there with these hideous monstrosities looks like something out of a steampunk <laughs> novel you know cutting grass and, yeah and we did that for you know 10 hours a day and then we'd go work at the fire station so the conversations in between those yards mixed with uh you know of course i i made my first fire with him you know my very first fire and the cool part was uh i think i had six fires my my rookie year before and these were like actual getting it on fires not like yeah being, but before anybody in my rookie class got a fire so it's just like it was that's awesome. fantastic yeah that's cool man but so I let remember, me oh go ahead yep. go ahead no 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 no. do it man do but it my very very and i don't want to cast aspersions on the training we received as rookies but it's, it's going to show in this and again no excuses uh very first fire comes in girls trapped in a bedroom and we show up smoke's pouring out of this back uh, back window and we're going in the front door with the hose line get this girl supposed to be in that back bedroom so it's chugging black smoke chugging. And I'm, I, I'm like, this is my first fire. I'm like amped up, man. Oh dude. I am so amped up. And the big thing is yeah. I am not going to let him run out of hose. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I am saying. Right. And we had the yellow, I don't even know. What is it even Nomex back then? Or was it PBE at that point? I don't even know. PBI, whatever. Uh, it was yellow, banana colored yellow. And um, we went in, of course he went in and what did he do? He was on his belly almost instantly crawling. I went in with the hose line. You know, I'm pretty, I go yeah. in. And I'm instantly on top of him, just stomping <laughs> the ever-loving crap out of him. And he thought the ceiling came down. You know, no kidding. That's and so I'm all over, all over the top of him trying right. to push this hose. And I, right. I, I'm collapsed. And he says all he can see is this banana yellow up against his face mask. That's hysterical. So he finally gets me off him. We he pushed back to the back. And, and there was no girl. She had, she'd actually splashed gasoline all over the room, lit it, and left. Oh, no, no kidding. Know? So... Uh, but it was so cool. He took me in there and he said, he, he sat there and showed me the fire and, and let me hit it and stuff. And of course he was ready to kill me when we got outside. For sure. But for he sure. Said, hey, they didn't teach you to get down and crawl, you know, and that's where he was like, and that's when he's, you know, uh, anyway, it was, it was, it was a funny story because they say, when you go to prison, you pick the toughest looking guy in the place and you stomp the ever loving crap out of him. That's and right. You set the tone. So I that's always right. tell people that's what I did. I picked Scott Lance. And the first time we got in the fire, I stomped the ever loving crap out of him and set the tone. So. Oh, I love that. That's good, man. <laughs> I, that's, that's a great story, man, for sure. I, it's got so much value to it too. And not only that, but what I love about stories like that is that the five-year conversation after that, five years later, 10 years later, where that story comes out, gets embellished a little bit. Sure. And now you're laughing about it. Now you're, you know, and, and so on. And I mean, I just, and then, and then here you are 24 years later telling this story. Uh, it just, it gets better with time, you know? And that story, not only did it teach you tactical lessons but truly it taught you character it taught you uh you know how to carry yourself how to build and develop relationships right i mean that's that's the best part i love that i know i think that that first fire probably had more impact than any i don't know i guess anybody can say that but no just how important it was to know what you were doing because up to that point it was just it hadn't really set in what what was the transition like for when he promoted to captain you promoted to his driver like, because I, I'm assuming, like, how was it staffing on the reg three, four? Uh, we're, we're four man minimum. Yeah. Was... So like, I mean, he's got a, out of everybody on the truck, there's got to be a, you know, at least I always find with anybody driving me, there's a, we have a very intimate relationship at that point uh, in that front seat. Like, how did that relationship develop? And like, what, what was his like um, expectations, if you will, for you as that, as that driver for him? I want to say at that point, we've been working together. I don't know how long when I made Luke. I, I would say at that point, we've been working together over a decade. 
And so we and were cutting already, grass. Yeah. 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 And the day off. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. I, there's so much stuff we've done together, projects, house, you know, housework, um, remodels. Um, so our, it was already, there was no, it was smooth, probably the smoothest transition you could have. Now, shortly after that, they changed it to where whenever you promoted, you had to switch shifts. And that's now a standard. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened mix to me it when up. I made, yeah, mix it up. It happened to me when I made captain, I had to switch shifts and it, it allowed me to reinvent myself. Uh, so, so let me, let me ask you this chief with, with a guy like Scott Lance, who not only impacted your career, right. But I'm sure, like you said, if I talked to a bunch of other fellas out of more, his impact was felt broadly, right. Oh, On yeah. the, you said it yourself that he impacted the department, right. How many Scott Lances are there today that are coming out of the Moore Fire Department? Or, or not to put more on, on Bullseye, right? But just in the fire service in general. How important is it to have a Scott Lance in your department that can be influential and really uh, be able to be the one to formulate the plan as to how and what we want in the fire service? I, man, I don't right? know. If, I don't know how to, how to put a metric on how important that is. I mean, if, yeah, but, we, but is it happening? Are we having, that's a great question. Do we have impactful people like that to the levels that I think we used to have? Right. I mean, I, you know, and and this isn't a a new conversation, new generation, millennial conversation versus the old salty dogs. I'm just saying in general, how influential do we have influential people in a firehouse today? I don't find that to be as prevalent as it once was you. No, I even, I think it's not even, I, again, uh, I always say the fire service is a microcosm of society, you know, and, and one thing, again, bear with my brain. I always look at why doesn't the, uh, there's no more people giving speeches that people quote. You know, I, I, I'm a big quote guy. I make quote memes all the time. And uh, no one's ever, I, the Teddy Roosevelt's and the George Washington's, the John F. Kennedy, I'm, I'm naming presidents here, but all the other greats, uh, Martin Luther King. And I think it's just, a, I don't, does that make sense? What I'm saying yeah. is I. It does, ahead. but let me ask you this. Back then you didn't have, the the measurement of communication we have today so more people have a voice today than back then but you know what i'm saying so like back then maybe people were more influential because we only had a small group of real influential people because they they were the ones with a voice now today anybody can have a voice right Right. i mean look at you look at me look at rob like we have we have our own platforms that have given us a voice whether whether you know we feel our voice is is influential or not but it is and so I, I agree with you. Like, I think quotes are important. I think, subs, you know, substance, quality matters, um, you know, especially when you look to mentors and people of value um, and so on. But I, I agree with you. I think this is an interesting conversation. No, it really because- is. Because I wonder if, if, and I always say this, but if Napoleon was sitting around the campfire having the same thing saying, where are all my strong NCOs or, you know, whatever the French called them, uh, and, and Marcus Aurelius in Roman times sitting around the campfire going, where are all of the mentors that used to, the right. ones that shaped me, you know? And so I don't know if this is just age old and we're see, living it. And I think you make a great point. And I, and I, again, uh, forgive my tangents. Uh, it used to be with the music industry, you had the record companies, right? The record companies would yep. come and sign you. You know, yep. they, were the, they were the filter. They would decide who was worthy of being heard and they would sign you. You would get on the yeah. radio and be heard. Now, I mean- I can take this computer. I can cut an album tomorrow and I can put it out there and it could be on iTunes in a week. And not um, only that, you don't even have to do an album anymore. You could be a oh one yeah, hit wonder. Dropping. Yeah, you're right. Right. When I was growing up, one hit wonders still had an album. Yeah. You were not wrong. Right now. Anybody could put a piece of music out. 
it gets picked up like that one song you never hear from them again but they made their impact with that right. one song because now anybody could be put on right and love them or hate them the record companies were the filter you know what i'm saying now the filter's gone so there's just a sea of of really crappy music and there's still really great music in there now how do you find it is the real question and so that bridges a fantastic fantastic segue into what we do what you do right when when i when we start talking about uh you know firehouse vigilance the weekly scrap right so anyone listening if you're not familiar with these uh with these um with this platform that corley is directly responsible for uh we'll put some posts uh, we'll put some links up and so on but check out the weekly scrap which is a weekly podcast that uh corley puts out he interviews really the top one percenters of the industry people that have an incredible message to share uh on top of that firehouse vigilance which is a website social media uh platform as well um really it's in your own words the never-ending fight against complacency yes let's dive into this because we talked about the music industry. We could draw such parallels here, right? Because we used to years ago only have one or two platforms that would put people on in this industry. You're right. And we talk about this a lot on National Fire Radio and how the how the landscape has changed. And now you have the ability, we have the ability now more than ever to have a voice and to be heard. And whether that's good, bad, and different, we can argue that any which way you right. want to. Um, and the responsibility that goes with it and the credibility that goes with it and everything yeah. else. Right. Yeah, you're hitting them all. Yeah. Yeah. Every of course, think, right. Think, think. Yeah, exactly. Right. But you, but you deal with this too. Yeah. And, and so, you know um, now more than ever uh, we have the ability to do this and, and we're following, I know for Rob and myself, I'm not to speak for Rob, but Rob and I've had this conversation many, many times, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but we just have an incredible passion for the fire service and we have a love for it. And we also saw a big hole in it where this type of content needed to be had. Yes. Um, you know, and for us, it's about culture and tradition. Yeah, you guys keeping about, it alive, man. I cannot say enough how important. Well, that is, well but you you are too, Corey. Uh, I mean, do it, Rob. Do it. Don't sell yourself short because, like, for those who are listening, I had I had to go out to Oklahoma for a friend of mine who I, I needed to recover a truck from his ex wife and all this other drama. But I, you know, Dave Woodward was supposed to come down and get me, and an ice storm hit uh, Missouri, and uh, he he couldn't make it. Like. Corley, he reached out to Corley. Corley got me Trenton. Thank God for him. Uh, and, you know, like it was that simple kind act of driving me down from Oklahoma City down to Lawton to pick this uh, truck up. And the kid wouldn't take money. Uh, we had a great conversation, you know, in the car and stuff like that about the fire service. But like, that's like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help each other. And like, it's from, you know, the brotherhood reaching out and making it happen. I mean, one of the reasons like, why I wanted to work with Jeremy in the first place was like us having these conversations. But like, I remember him saying one of his impressions of me was I made the coffee when he like the first time I met him That's and like, awesome. I, I made a fresh pot of coffee and like, was like, like the senior guy of the firehouse, Steve Wilcher was like, yeah, no, Jeremy's one of the good ones. He, he was allowed to sleep in the bunk room. And I was like, okay, cool. That's uh, that, that's our, that's our code word for the guys not a shit bag. And I you, had him in made the coffee and got it, you know, got everything going, but like you, you yourself, are, are one of these folks that we're trying to make sure that are still there. You know I mean? So hop sure. into it, man. Tell us the story. When did this start? Like you're going through your career promotion, to driver promotion to the front seat, right? Officer promotion to battalion chief. You have a beautiful family, wonderful wife, right? Yes. You got all these things going for you, right? You're rolling around playing jujitsu with your buddies, right? hundred percent. Oh, let me go. Let me start this social media thing because why? Well, you got to back up and remember, I still am an ISTP. And so I love projects and I love making stuff. Uh, if whatever, I mean, I'm talking to you so you understand. Uh, 
I have to back up because you asked me earlier, what was the change? And the change really came about for me personally in my life when I promoted to company officer. Awesome. So that is when it hit me. Like I, you act out from as drivers, as a lieutenant, you act out as the company officer. But really, when I made captain and got my own crew, that is really when the responsibility hit me that, you know, if these guys go home tomorrow, it's because of a decision I made. Yeah, know, I see Rob shaking his head. He's in the same boat. I get it. Yeah, man, it hits you. And hopefully it hits you. If it doesn't hit you, you're in the wrong job. But uh, so now hopefully it hits you younger than it hit me, but that was the point where I, I mean, I got John Norman's handbook attacked. I mean, the, the, the number of books I bought and started devouring, not to mention every, uh, from stop believing, stop knowing to fully involved to, uh, I, I'm going to, I'll try to think of them all, but every website been in her search and, uh, I, I won't even try to name them all cause I can't even think of them all. And I was just, I would print off, I have a notebook full, like a three ring binder, three inches, just articles from like one place that had nothing but drills. And so that was, again, my ISTP personality is I wanted to learn everything. I, and it was this, uh, does this training. go back to like the 90, like, like mid nineties, late nineties, no, no, like when I made inter- company officers, this was about, oh, okay. 10, okay. about 10, 10 years ago, roughly okay. 10 years All ago. Right. So about 2011, okay. 2012 is what I want to ballpark my rough gorilla math. I can only use, I have to use my toes. I got it. Trust so, me. Sausage fingers. I get it. Go ahead. But, uh, from that, and I, and I, and because of uh, my nature of who I am, I was very successful as a company officer with my crew and building a, a good culture, uh, not bragging. It was just a fact of, and it's the fact. coolest part was, coolest part was, is that they, uh, I was only five months with my first crew that I had and they pulled me off that shift and moved me to another shift, which was to Scott Lance's shift and, uh, and became his captain. But I lost that crew and we were, I, I did not want to leave because we were clicking. I mean, it was, it was, you know, you only get so many of those crews and, you right. know, and, but I, one of the best things that ever happened to me was I got to have an exit interview with them of, Hey guys, what did you like? What did you not like? What can I do better? You know, cause I'm leaving, you know? And so it was an eye-opening experience because some of the things I thought I was doing good, they, they let me know, Hey, you know, and it was, it was very, very good. And uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened. So long story short, I started trying to absorb all this fire knowledge. I became a fire knowledge sponge. Now my brain leaks. Um, I'm not a fire guru by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not trying to claim I am one, but I was getting all this and I wanted to share it. But my first inclination was I wanted to share it with my department. And so my thought was to write these articles and share them around my department. That went over like a, like a, <laughs> a lead balloon. Always, <laughs> yes, always. Man. Like, they, don't get me wrong. It was not like they were, but no one wants to hear what I have to say about culture, leadership, fire tactics, anything like that. Some do, some don't. And at the time they were just like, you know, and that, that's that, that culture, very, man, your yes. own department, you know, you got, you got some of the biggest names in the industry and their own departments are like, who? And <laughs> I, I, I'm literally, some of it was probably my own fragile ego, not able to handle some early rejection and things. Yeah. Like right. That. I get so it. I get it. I got standoffish and I said, well, but for whatever reason, the, the pictures started taking off on uh, the inter, on the inter- interwebs, you know, on the Instagram and uh, they started getting traction, started getting shared, not, not massive, but just started picking up. Uh, so I started sharing my articles on nice. firehousevigilance.com just to put them out there. And they really didn't have the traction I wanted. Not like I wanted supernova, but I wasn't getting discussion going with them. I wasn't getting feedback. I wasn't getting that itch and uh, that scratched. And uh, my wife said, hey, why don't you just go live on Facebook and talk about them? And I said, you know, I told her she was stupid because I knew what I was doing. And uh, <laughs> Long story short, I did what she'd said and yep. I started doing these. At first they were just me on my phone talking and uh, they were, they, uh, you can find them on YouTube. If you go, there's numbers one through 10, I believe of the weekly scrap. And that's all it was, was me talking on my phone. 
And then I was at a fool's meeting after I'd done like the 10th one. So I'd been doing it for like two months, a little over. And the, the, the president of the fools came up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, why don't you have me on the scrap? When are you going to have me on the scrap? And uh, I was like, seriously, you'd want to be on the scrap. That's cool. And so then I had to figure out, this was a little bit before zoom had really become a thing too. Right. And uh, I was like, how do we, how do I even do this? Can you do Facebook live with another person? So I figured out how to do it. Some of them were on Instagram at first, you know, some of those first ones, some of them were on Facebook and my whole goal was low production, no production, just, just content that was high quality content, but don't waste time on all the rest. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that was a mistake, but uh, I've had to learn that. And so, cause I know this, whenever I find a new podcast, I'm like, Ooh, I'm gonna check this podcast out. And I start listening to it. If the audio is terrible. I'll, yeah. They're gone. I, yeah. I'm not, I don't have they're time gone. to waste on that, you know, but I, but some reason I was immune to that and what I was going to make. Yeah. So uh, long story short, it was an evolution and I was in a hotel room and might've been having some adult beverages because I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to ask this guy if he'll be on somebody I'd never would ask. And I, I sent messages through Facebook to a whole bunch of uh, big names that I never would dream would say yes. Right. Now, I have to qualify it by saying this was right about the time the pandemic was getting into full swing and they had nothing else to do all of a sudden. So a bunch of them were like, sure, I'll come on your show. Love it. And uh, that might not have happened without COVID. I don't know. And uh, so it would have happened. Trust me. Then there was this domino effect. And now I have like literally one of the funnest jobs on earth. If you're a firefighter, I get a private lecture from some of the biggest names in the industry every week. And some, some people I've never met before that I don't know who they are. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. Oh yeah. You know? Hell yeah. It's just, it's a snowball effect from there. And all I, because my wife said, why don't you do this on Facebook live? So, and which is just fantastic. And, and I can't stress enough, uh, you know, how much I listen, I'm in the car all the time and I'll be honest with you up until two months ago, I knew the social media page, but I didn't know. I know I don't listen to any other fire service podcasts. I don't listen. I don't digest. I digest social media content. I don't digest podcasts because what worries me is not being authentic. And so when right. I listen to other shows, I worry that that information bleeds into my brain. And next thing you know, I'm putting out an Instagram post that directly relates to somebody. I get crazy now. I just saw I'm the host in a clubhouse episode uh, Thursday night. We're doing vertical ven vertical ventilation for residential dwellings on Thursday night. And that's on clubhouse, Ooh. but we're going to, we're going to post pictures and video on Instagram so people can refer to the posts. And then we're going to have a live discussion on Clubhouse, gonna, which tie it in. My man, you got to get on this thing. We talked I, about I, this. And I, I was going to go buy an iPad just for this reason. You and, have to. Uh, well, they, they, just, they just, Clubhouse just hired some guy that is nothing but an Android developer. That's all he does is Android developing Clubhouse. So I'm they'll, that hits. they'll get there, but it's still, you know, still not happening. Right. So, um, but anyway, so okay, I'm on duty Thursday. I'll have my driver bring a, my driver one. He was supposed to bring it last time. He'll bring up his iPad. I will, I will log in there. He's gotta be, yeah, but you gotta be a member. Okay. Well, I will, I will reach out to you and, and I've got a few people that have tried to get me to be a member. Okay. So anyway, so you check it out. It's okay. awesome. But the thing is, and then I see today that there was a post on vertical ventilation and, you know, and it was, it's spurring great conversation. I'm like now two days, two days from now, I'm going to be doing this. And, it, and, and to me, in my world, I almost want to change it now because <laughs> I hate, I hate when that shit happens, right? Yes. So I, man. yeah, because it's like, oh, look at this guy, like yeah. totally just copy this because it got traction. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm interviewing. A, I got Sean Egan from Buffalo, captain of truck seven, who's opened up more roofs than I've opened up tuna cans. And, you know, and what you call it. And, and now I can't even do this post, you know, or this anyway, no, long story short. I so I don't, 
so I really don't get into other fire department or fire service podcasts because I just don't want to be influenced. Also, I, I like to learn like tonight, man, this is just awesome because I'm learning your story and you think, you know, somebody when you hear them on something else, but then you, you have that interaction with them one-on-one and it's totally, it's a totally different experience. And I really love, but what happened was long story short, I found uh, the weekly scrap and I started listening to them and I, I travel a lot. I listened to, I think five or six episodes in two days. Um, of the scrap and they're at least an hour long hour and a half long and uh and i was like man i'm like what a great for i love your format i love the way you interview and i just and you do have incredible guests and uh and so on and it's because you're doing it right man a little bit of credit for you you're doing it right and that's why people want to be on that show um you're really paying you know paying it forward and putting out a great message and you bring the best out in a lot of your guests um, and, and I think a lot of your guests understand that and appreciate that because through your style and then how you wrap it with your questions and, you know, the intellect on talking about books, it's just a really good and nice format that I think is, uh, is, uh, really well received by guests and the public. So you're doing a fantastic job, brother, for sure. So thank your wife for pushing you because it was the right move for sure. It's one of the smallest things that I owe her. I owe her a lot. So thank you for all <laughs> the kind words. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm terrible at taking compliments. So I can I just say thank you, man. I'm very cool. proud of the scrap. Extremely proud of it. You should be. You should extremely be. humbled by the fact that people still say yes and the fact that people tell me that it, they love it. So all right. You. So let me ask let me ask you this, right? Because okay. you wrote a book, so you're an author, yes. right? Challenge your leadership, right? Okay. So you write a book, you write articles. You develop the weekly scrap in Firehouse Vigilance because of uh, becoming a company officer and realizing that you wanted to digest as much as you can. You jumped in both feet, but you are ISTP. Yes. So at what point does this become? <laughs> well, I, it's an no, honest question, right? No, 100%. Because you, I, I skipped a lot between uh, being a missionary's kid in Australia to, to getting on the fire department. Well, maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't do a good enough job interviewing chapter one, but no, no, no. Believe me. It's just, it it reads a lot like my father's. I wrote a, uh, a book you can find on Amazon. It's terrible. When I was like 17 years old, I've been the lead singer of a a rock band. I've, uh, I don't know how many goofy YouTube channels I've tried to start. Uh, and those are all just projects. So yeah, the number one thing I've probably struggled with my entire life is consistency because a lot of those minus the band, which was a pretty terrible band, but, uh, I say that I loved it. Uh, uh, (laughs) I love that. Um, is consistency. I've struggled most of my, and I, I think as I've matured older, I'm probably not even meet the criteria of ISTP as much anymore. Gotcha. As I've matured, because I struggled most of my life with consistency, you know, to, to finish those projects. And now it is a major thing to me to, I have my routines and, and that keep me consistent. And, yes. uh, and you guys know that consistency or content is king. I mean, period. And uh, if you're not consistent with it, then why you're wasting it. You're spinning your tires. So uh, anyway, I struggle with consistency in the gym, in my diet, in my drinking, in my uh, reading, in my, and, and life. consistency is yes. Life. Corley, how like, did you, how did you develop the consistency? Like, cause I'm, I'm actually going through this now where I'm starting to develop consistency based on routine and changing things in my life to build a routine up. Like I've kind of found out in my journey here is that there are some formidable years where like impressions of things were supposed to happen and my environment was kind of built in chaos. So it made me exactly the scatterbrain who I am today, but now I'm trying to like grasp this. So it's like very simple things as far as like, you know, for me, I, I know I just, I'm making coffee in the morning, making my bed and literally writing down on a piece of paper, five things that I have to do yes. every day. Um, 
or whatever it might be for that day is what what's been and and i i i literally was like looking at my therapist going you gotta be you gotta be kidding me like all your degrees and all, all your specialties it's make coffee make my bed and i'm gonna write down what i five things that i need to do like five only five things like right. i got five things that are just in front of me that i need to accomplish but like and i like i'm amazed at how much uh like it's almost like there's an awakening happening as i'm doing this but like what what was it for you brother no like it's weird because that's like a mirror image of of uh, it wasn't the routine of the coffee in the bed but the writing down and i'll show you i have one uh this one i was so it stopped talking start doing i don't know if you can see that yep but when i I went to fedex kinko's and had this thing printed up after i made it but literally it is a, a daily log and i made it and Anyway, long story short, I'll run you through it. My priorities for the day right here, followed by presentations I need to work on, what reading I'm going to do, and then this is a schedule for every hour of the day. And then at the end of the day, down bottom, I write down my workout, what I got done, what I'm grateful for on the day, and then what I ate, and then notes. Now, then this is last year's because I actually revamped this and made it better because I found I took the grateful thing and moved it up top. If I write down something I'm grateful for in the morning, dude, it changes my whole mindset towards the day. And uh, it, was a, it was a complete, it blew my mind how, because sometimes it's a struggle to write it down. Yeah. But what I discovered was when I use this in the morning, because I'm not consistent, I'm not, I, I would love to say I'm 100% consistent, but when I use it, I have a unbelievably productive day. And when I skip it or I, I left it at home and I'm at the fire station, I don't fill it out. Uh, the day is not as good. And yep. so just the physical act of writing it down and making that schedule and putting down, hey, I'm going to do this. To, anyway, that, I don't, I, it's probably not for everybody, but it, it completely changed my life. Yeah. Have you I talked found- about that before? No, that's a that's a me thing. That's a that's a private quarterly thing. Well, I, so I'll tell you. I'm sorry, Rob. Just real quick, I I'm really floored by that. Uh, it's just something I've never even th- and even Rob talking about it tonight. Rob's never shared that with me. Um, and I is it, is it? I'm sorry, I don't mean to walk on you because I no, I don't know why I've never shared it. It's not like a, but it's kind of like personal. I don't know. But I, I think it's I think it's kind of unique yet prevalent. You know, all in the same breath. I mean, for me, it's not something I, I don't. I can't foresee myself doing that, even though I probably need to and should. Um, I just don't know if I could. Um, I don't know if I'm disciplined enough uh, to do that because my, I just, I don't know. But for Rob, I mean, Rob, I think is looking at that. And I don't want to speak for Rob. I mean, but, you know, a lot of similarities there, right, brother? I mean, you know, and, yeah. and so, you know, I, Corley, sharing that might help some people, hey, I, 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 you're, you know? You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I, I probably, I don't, I'm trying to think of a, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Sorry. Well, yeah. I, I was going to ask you with this because like one of my big struggles that I've been working on now is, uh, is a shift work from the firehouse. Like there's, that was, and I think like, I, you know, and trying to self analyze a problem with the help of therapy and stuff like that. It's, that's one of my big, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a hurdle and a challenge that I have to overcome because, you know, you run that busy night at the firehouse and everything. And like, it's, a, it's reestablishing the routine from the firehouse from the 24 or the 34 or the 38 or the 48, whatever that shift is at work. And now you come back home and you're just like, your mind's like, which way am I going? I just need to sit down. And then you don't, you know, like I can easily get sucked right back into that old way. So now I have to kind of redesign a, you know, even, even if I come home, I'll still make the coffee and I'll still make sure the bed's made and I'll write down five things to do because if I don't, you know, it's going to be difficult. So oh, you have to do what works for you. I'd love to see your, your new book if you got a file on that or something no no absolutely i'll, sh- I'll send it uh yeah I'll write it down 
I was so, gonna say I want to I want to send a copy to Jeremy and say, hey Jeremy, do a one week challenge and use this page every day. Send for it for a week and send it. Uh, and then see. I want to hear the feedback on it. My my wife um, is uh, I have I have the most incredible wife in the world, and we have uh, just a really amazing marriage and friendship and and so on. And you know, and I I think we're all probably very similar in that regard because for us to do everything that we do, we would need you know a real strong backbone and and um, you know and and somebody there to push us yet hold us accountable, you know. And uh, and so I have that, and I have an incredible structure and so on. But she's very organized, um, very put together as to uh, schedules and maintaining schedules and things like that. And uh, Rob can attest that I am polar opposite of that. <laughs> um, I am all over the place and a lot, of, uh, probably because I have my feet and hands in everything going on everywhere in the world. And so I'm pulled in so many different directions that a lot of times it's hard for me to focus. And, you know, for you, which, which is cool because this is, this is everything to do with who you are and who you've become, right. Is like, through and over time, you know, we talked about that ISTP and, and that mentality and mindset. And now you've been able to find a way to focus because in my eyes, just from looking from the outside in, it looks like you found something that you have an incredible passion for, right? You yes. dove into at a company officer level and now you go, wait a minute, if I'm responsible for these guys and this job just got super serious for me, like I got to dive in and know everything I can because that's the personality you have. And then what that does is then now you're holding yourself accountable for that. Um, and I think that's fantastic, man. And if it takes a journal that you create to hold you and put you on the path for success, it's a freaking home run because it's working, pal, because your content's crushing it. Your, uh, you know, your uh, diligence and relationships and the fire service and the impact you're making are huge. I'd love to talk about the drive. I mean, I get the drive, but like every week, you know, I mean, this is a lot of work for you, right? So, like, what's breaking up between a couple of people, and you're 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 a one man band on this, you know? It's what's what's fueling that, man? Like, what what is that fuel, and what keeps it going? I mean, obviously, I know, like tonight, I'll walk when when we get off this tonight. Rob and I usually talk for a couple more minutes, and I'm like, man, what a great night! Like, just floored, yeah. better than expectations. Like, and I cherish, like, for me, because we do tradition and culture, and we get to learn people's stories. One, I thank everybody for trusting us with their story. That's just what I tell people. Thank you for trusting us with your story. Yeah, that's strong. But super strong, right? Yeah. Because they, you didn't have to sit here tonight and, and share that with us. You didn't have to share your 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 uh, your schedule there or, or your daily, you know, um, have, you know, to dos and 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 all of that. So for me, it's super powerful, and that's what fuels me right? That's what fuels me. It's the other person's story. And if I can be a facilitator to share that to better someone or push that out, it's so important for me. No, that what's, is, that is. what I strikes you brother? Man, what's that, what's that, that fuel? You, you articulate that really well. I feel, I feel like I'm coming up short here. Well, I'm glad it's, up. I'm glad it's recorded. Cause I probably couldn't do it again. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the crazy part is, is so much of a uh, firehouse. I don't want to say it's like accident, but a lot of it's on accident or it's a bad idea. Like the book, this thing, uh, Challenger Leadership, which I threw, uh, it's a terrible idea because I wanted to write a book that was aimed towards people that don't read. You know, that's the whole purpose behind the book. So that's me. But who, who writes a book for people that don't read? It's not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I understand that completely. But I mean, I'm, I'm hungry to check that out now because uh, I'm looking forward to my episode with you because you do talk about books uh, and I am not a reader. Okay. Rob reads. I know you're heavily into reading uh, and so on. I do not. 
and and we'll get into that on your show, fair, on your, you know, and so okay. on. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little backstory to all of that and so on. But I look um, forward to I look forward to you trusting me with your story. Well played, <laughs> sir. Well played. That, <laughs> that's powerful, Corley. That's probably no. so, you know, and so, you know, the, the whole part of that is, is that, um, you know, that's an important thing for you. And you value that, right? You value word. You value quotes. You value history, right? Yes. So is that part of this fuel? Is that part of what's pushing you to capture these stories and then to push it forward? Anyway, I'm having to psychoanalyze myself, but yeah, I think it's that there's that. I love the interaction just like we're doing right here. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, I think it goes back to um, the band days when I actually played in the band. I didn't really, I don't, I love music. Don't get me wrong. I love music. I can listen to music. Uh, I, I almost always have music playing if I'm not listening to something uh, podcast wise. I'll put it on the background, drives my wife crazy. And, but uh, I, I love music. But my point is, as a, in the band, I love the interaction with the audience. It wasn't the music we made or the, yeah. the, the, the mm-hmm. creative process of the music. It was the interaction with the crowd. As small as those crowds may have been, it was just, and so when I, when I interact with you guys, when I interact with people at a conference, that is the part that is really, uh, I think that's what drives it. If I, I really it. pointed at one thing, but you know, it's, it's all of it. It's just me. Oh, I get, I get that. Yeah. I mean, I call it, you know, I, so I always say that this is, you know, I do this, uh, I, we, we've done this platform, but for myself, I've done this for selfish reasons. Yeah. Cause I, I truly enjoy this. And if yeah. all I had to do was formalize, you know, the kitchen table or the back step talk, which is what we've done. I mean, that, that just fulfills all my needs, right. That I want yeah. surround yourself with great people, capture their stories, have a couple laughs, share a couple tears, do a couple pops. Doesn't get any better than that. That's awesome, man. No, and you you just encapsulated it really well there. Because if I did not enjoy the scrap so much, I, I don't. The consistency would have disappeared long right. ago. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I love them. Uh, from the guys who I don't know who they are to the guys that I've I've known their name from all their articles they've written in Fire Engineering. You know what sure. I'm saying? Sure. 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 Uh, so it's, yeah, it's very, so let, let me, let me ask you this without putting you on the spot, but putting you on the spot, uh, 79, 70, right. 79 right. episodes, right. Yes. Uh, that just came out. 79th episode just came out. Um, give me one or two that stand out. Do you have a one or two that stand out? I'm not asking you who was the best or, or whatever, but are there any, I mean, you gotta have of, like, there's, it's like, what's your favorite book or what's your favorite. No, movie? I understand. Like, I understand. I gotta narrow it down to genres and then I got to narrow it down to, but no, um, Chief Scott Thompson is one of my mentors that that I don't even know if he knows he's my mentor, but he was my mentor before I ever met him. And so he's one of my internet mentors. I, I can sit there. Go ahead. I was so let me read this. We do bios before this, and you and I under you'll see it's under I doodle a lot, as you can see. <laughs> nice. But also doodling keep makes me stay focused, believe it or not. So what what I have underlined here, your sentence. So many of my mentors are people I have never even met in person, but have impacted me in a huge way via the internet and social media. No, hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. And, uh, and I, like, like Rick George, first time I interviewed him, complete accident that he even came on the show. Uh, you know, he, he said, yeah, I'll do it on, on like a five minute notice and came on and, and talking to him was like, uh, he had known me in my entire life. And I said to myself, I want, people to feel that way. When I talk to them, I'm going to intentionally go about trying to talk that way. That blew my mind. And so, so many of them, uh, Frank Viscuso and how humble he is for right. as, as huge as he is, you know, international speaker, best-selling author and, 
the people he the 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 orbits he travels into to to as down to earth as he is just impacted me um sure kinda, I'm leaving so many out that it's not even. Fair. No, no, I know, and it wasn't a fair question. No, no, no. But... I, I don't, I don't regret the question. I just wish I would have. Like, there's so many that that have impacted me. Sitting here talking to him. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this way: Like, one of the things that, like, I have a couple podcasts that we've done on National Fire Radio that really stick out in my mind. But like the ones that, um, you know, really like surprise me are the ones where, you know, I'll we'll be at a conference or something or we'll get a direct message or somebody will reach out and they'll just be like, Hey, like, you know, when you talk to Joe Spranza, like that really, like what, what he said in this part, like when you ask this one question, like that really spoke to me. H have you had that kind of interaction with, with friends, family or other people just, you know, I don't no. want to say fans, but like your fan, like somebody saying like, Hey man, like that episode, and you like just you're like oh really like but like and, and it's because you know yeah. what i'm talking about because yeah. it's, it's heartfelt and it like it catches you off guard 100 right back to what jeremy was talking about when they do that when 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 the stranger or the guy at the station or whoever comes up and says hey i loved it when he talked about this i you know or that's that's that that scratch on that itch that makes me want to do it more and more and get better at it and the other part of it is when they come up and even one of my majors came up the other day and told me he's like hey on that last scrap he goes i wish you to talk less and let him, you know, and it was a critique. It was an honest critique because I even, <laughs> I even uh, felt that way when I was done with it. Cause I felt like I'd walked on some of his information and I told him that, you know, later he's like, oh, you did great, you know, but, uh, and so anyway, I love the self critiques because I know they're paying attention, you know, and it makes me be yeah. like, oh, you're actually, you're actually listening. And I don't know why that makes me so happy, but it does. I love it. Well, I, I think like, it. well, go ahead. I, I always, uh, I'll end up like calling people when I'm doing orders. And I'll just randomly cold call one of our, one of our, you know, if somebody orders like a flag or a shirt or something right. like that. And I'll just talk to them for five minutes on the phone. I'll be like, Hey, it's Rob from national fire radio. just want to let you know, I just dropped your shirt in the mail, but like, how's everything going in Boise, Idaho, you know, or whatever else. And I'll just be like, you know, tell me about your job and I'll have this five minute conversation with them. And they're like, I just can't believe you called. And I was like, why wouldn't we like you put your number here? Like we're, you know, <laughs> not calling you for bad news. We're calling. I do like, I do it all the time on Instagram on, on DMs. Yeah. People send me DMs all the time. And, you know, we get everything from, you know, people send pictures, right? Because we're apparatus nerds, yeah. things like yeah. that. But but they also send, you know, hey, can I ask for some advice or I'm in a I'm in a tough spot or all these things. And it ranges everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. And I try to answer ninety nine. Yeah, I try to answer 100 percent of them. Awesome, Sometimes man. a couple goes through the cracks. Right. But nine out of 10 times, I'm like, listen, brother, I'm like, DM is fun. But if you really need to chat, here's my number text me your info or whatever. I'll put you in my phone. And you know, if I could ever help in any way, I mean, I don't know what I could do, but maybe just picking up the phone that one time or answering a text from them. Yeah. Who knows what a difference that makes, yeah, you know, no doubt about it. And, and we, you know, Rob and I talked about this very early on and, and we gained, uh, we gained traction pretty quick when we rolled out and um, which, and I'm incredibly grateful for all of it. Like this has just been a wild ride for the last, you know, now three years going on this month is three years. Um, it's just been a wild ride. And, and, you know, That's and, great, and awesome I told, to Oh, hell yeah, man. It's, it is, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I told Rob from day one, I go, if we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. We got to do it. And, and that means putting ourselves out there, yeah. transparent, authentic, but you also need to understand that when you start to get a voice like the weekly scrap where you're interviewing, you know, people that are influential in the American fire service, um, you carry some clout, you carry some weight. And with that weight comes a responsibility, responsibility of putting out what's right and putting out and vetting and doing everything that you should in your power to make sure that the word represents you, but also represents the best for the fire service. Fire service. No, that's Be well said. 
it becomes a big burden. Not a burden. It becomes a big chore, though, right? Big task oh, to make yeah, sure. Man. Um, and so on. So, and you guys probably know this. The amount of stress sometimes when I'm going into something going, okay, how can this go sideways on me? It's live. You know what I'm saying? So that's oh, the, 100%. Yeah. We, we've done our share of lives as well. Yeah. We do, we do live events. I mean, we do, you know, I mean, just all sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, shit, when things go sideways, they can really go sideways um, for sure. But it's, you know, it's how you carry yourself, how you conduct business, how you and how you go after it. So, um, I have to say, uh, I, 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 I was props before on the weekly scrap. I enjoy that format very much. So we've done pretty well here. I'd okay. like to ask on, on national fire radio. We like to know what you're reading. We'd like to know your favorite book. Do you have a book that is your favorite? Do you have a book that you, is your go-to absolute favorite? Well, I don't Only know. One? I mean, you know, we like to review one book here on national fire radio with all of our guests. So I'd like to know what is the influential book in Corley Moore's library? I would say if, if you're, if I'm gun to my head, only get one book, I would pick uh, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of, of uh, Highly Effective People. Rob, you got that? You're writing that down? Mm-hmm. That, is, Rob's- that is the book. And now, now it, some of it's nostalgic. Uh, that is the book that I read, you know, probably when I was like 27, 28. And it kind of really changed the trajectory of how I looked at uh, life. And it, the circle of influence, the circle of concern, and where you need to focus your energies in that circle of influence. And when you do that, then all then it will grow. But if you if you're out there in the circle of concern where you can't affect nothing, then you're you're wasting energy. And that one lesson, like completely uh, changed, which I think it's the second habit, but I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me. Uh, but that is my go-to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say I how like I'm important. No, you're <laughs> not rambling. You're the guest. See, this is Fair the enough. difference now. You're the guest, right? <laughs> no, I'm learning. But here's the thing: how important and influential is your library because on your planner behind you that you shared with us tonight, you have a section just for what you're reading. Yes. Right. Or what you, or how much time is allotted to reading. And I've heard you say on your show that you try to allot time every single day to get into what a half hour, hour. I try to do 30 minutes that is strictly on fire service related stuff. And then 30 minutes on whatever I want. So to me in my world, I have a 24 hour day. I am so jealous that you have the ability and, and I probably do, but I, I'd have to find it. Right. I would so, love to tell you that I, that I hit that mark. Every no, day, I understand. Okay? So, I understand. So I don't want to be like, uh, no, but, but because it's on your planner and because it's something that's that important to you, right. It is personally oh, important 100%. to you. How influential is that? And, and how, how, how influential is that to you? Oh, the books I read are, 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 after, after what we've talked about, my father and Scott Lance, the books I read are probably the number one impact, uh, or I try to make them the number one. I, I, I won't take you down the rabbit hole that is my brain and my, and my organizational system for trying to keep track of, of what I read. Because uh, my problem is, like I told you before, I have a leaky brain. I read it and I get so frustrated because I can go back and start reading it again. And I'm like, man, I just read this. How come I can't remember this? You know what I'm saying? So I've got a two color highlight system. I got the little post-it notes. If you see one of the books I'm reading, I wish I had one, like I said, because if you see it, it has like all these ribbons in it. Yeah. And then I go and I'll take that and I'll type up the notes on it in Google Drive so that I can read just the notes instead of reading the book. So, and then, okay. So then this is the same this, thing. Oh, yeah, I, I don't have the, I don't have the, the tabs. I take notes as I read. Oh, okay. So I read, uh, was it Bashcroft's book? The, the most, uh, that running the, you know, the best damn ship in the Navy. Right. Yes. And like, like writing down all those points. Like that was a big leadership thing for me because I was like, all right, that's how I'm going to like, this is what I want to do. And it was actually out of all the places, like it was on the Hyattsville volunteer fire company, officer development reading list. Right. And it was, was it your ship or, or turn the ship around. I get turn the ship around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Um, Cause it was the fire officer's handbook. And yes. then that was turn the ship around. And I was like, it's a great book. Yeah. 
But how do you? Okay, so, so help let, me under let me, help I'm me under say the last thing, and then I'll let you ask the question. Because yeah. the biggest thing is, I started making presentations out of the books, and that has changed my life. Which now, whenever I make a presentation out of something, it's locked in the brain. Like I don't forget it near as. What much do you mean you make a presentation? I actually fucking awesome. I actually build a presentation like I'm going to give it to people. Like do you give it to people? I, I've started to, but no. Originally, it was just to make them, and so. But I'm telling you, it was it was it was a it was a to do that when you can take a concept and explain it with graphics on a slide or something and, and and dude it just works for me because now once i do that i can like remember it it's so it's, it's that whole going from the known to the unknown too because if you're making a presentation you're trying to think of how to explain it explain to it yes like that's 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 so genius like i'm i i wrote that down on my notes because like now that's a huge eater of time but it, it is it has changed my life on on putting of, of remembering what i like it's not just leaking out and being gone forever to the to the atmosphere wherever it goes mm-hmm. no i wish i could take a picture of my google drive I, and it's like do, it's do like you, scary i it's not often i don't have something to say i'm sitting here at all right now because I, I i have a note here that says he takes notes post-it notes all this stuff right you mark all your books and then i have a question underlined does he use do you use the notes that you create now, you've taken these notes a step further. You've made presentations and slides so that once you do that, you digest it to the point that you won't you won't forget it. In theory. I mean, it's In working. Theory. No, I understand. Right, I, I understand. The best retention. And again, it comes from, I think it was Scott Thompson that shared this uh, learning pyramid graphic on his page. And it was like, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't remember if it went top to bottom. I think it went top, but you remember like 10% of what you read or what you hear. And it goes all the way down. It's like sliced into pies. But mm-hmm. you remember like 90% of what you teach. How and do you... So in- that, how do you internalize all this? Like when you're, when you're on the job, say you roll up uh, Italian chief and you, you pull up on something or you have an administrative issue or a discipline issue or a regard, whatever administ- whatever battalion chief problem you might have. Sure. How does, how does all of this investment, right? It's an sure. investment into yourself. How did, how do you cycle through that to find an influence that you've learned, studied, and taught yourself through readings. How does that play into your decision-making and how you conduct yourself and your business and all of that? I'm curious. I think that it's way more valuable around the firehouse. And I, I don't want to say it's not valuable on the fire ground, but I think- it's No, I get it. More, I get it. Way more valuable around the firehouse because at the firehouse, generally speaking, you have time. It's not time compressed, high stakes decision-making. So you can, you can do a little more classical decision-making as opposed to the recognition prime decision-making. Um, so don't get me wrong, reading John Norman and, you know, and his rules, just, just reading his first chapter and going through his, his rules of, of decision-making and priorities on the fire ground uh, will help anybody, but nothing replaces actual experience, but sure. reading is as, I understand. as you can get. So um, I, the clear as mud answer there, I find it highly valuable at the firehouse and, and, uh, again, I'll go to Scott Thompson. He says, never neglect the culture. And just keeping that in mind, if you never neglect the culture and deal with problems early, uh, a problem never gets better with time, you know? And, and do so you, do you sorry, find I'm, that? No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. Cause I'm, no, I, I want to, I don't want to lose my train of thought on this because I'm super intrigued by this. Yes. But do you find that what you read digest and, and, and retain supports what you already know in how you were, raised the experiences you've lived and it's created who you are and now these books from influential typically leadership right things like that do you find that those books support 
something that's already internally known about yourself and how to handle situations? Because something tells me from early on, you were a guy that kind of was in control, right? We talked about yes, that. I believe so. So inherently you have these, all the authors of these books in some, in some regard, you're, you're like them. You follow in that path because you have a instinctual nurtured, natured way of thought. And so I'm curious, all this intellect that you bring in, I think it's, it's supporting Corley Moore. Oh, I, I would agree Do with you. That. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause sometimes what I'm looking for isn't there, but I know, I mean, everything you read is in there. It's, it's just jostling around and leaking out and things like that. But Do, am I making sense? Like where I'm going with that? Cause somewhat, I, well, I, I'll, I'll point to I I don't remember who wrote it, but it's a, it's a, Oh man, I'm going to lose the name of it, but it's the story legacy legacy, I believe. And it's the New Zealand, um, the all black, uh, New Zealand team they do the kata you know the uh, rugby team and it's their story and how the and it's a great book I'm not knocking the book but I took one really really strong point away from that entire book and that one stuck with me forever and it's the meaning of integrity and because uh, it's a completely that. different it's a different uh, definition than you normally hear and so it stuck with me so sometimes it's just one thing out of a book and sometimes it's a concept and a lot of times just reading it I get an understanding of something that I didn't understand before okay uh, if, if that makes sense so. I find too yeah correlate like in the station it's gotta like when you said like you're back to the station like when you're like there's two two types of problem solving in the fire service and like i've always struggled with why i was good in the fire service but not in other areas of my life and one of my you know my therapist one day said it's very easy when somebody has a gun to your head to focus on the gun because that's the problem at hand so we show up and this emergency that's in front of us like we're not gonna we're not gonna check the sports score real quick to see how the giants are are doing on the field like we're gonna handle what's in front of us. Um, but then like, there's the stuff back at the station. I think that like all those books, like in the reading like that, cause there's a, there's a moment when you're, you're trying to, especially with the ISTP stuff, you're trying to solve the problem. And then it's like flag comes up, you know, and you're like, wait a second. Like you talked about the um, integrity definition. And there's an example where somebody's talking about integrity, whether it be a situation in the firehouse, uh, a promotional question, whatever else. But now you've got this like this flag goes up and you're like, well, wait a second, I got this one thing and it's different. Like they're not going to be expecting this. And right. it's going to, we're going to say it another way. You yeah. know, so I, I think that's always one of the, at least I, I, that's how I find like, the, oh. like you said, it leaks out. Yes. That's how it leaks out for me is I'll be like, oh wait, like I remember this. And no, right. and then go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. Corley, one you. Of my big, my, one of my biggest issues is trying to make it relevant and, 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 uh, available. You know, that's one of my struggles is it's the reason for the notes. It's the reason for the systems. It's the reason for building the presentations is trying to hold on to it and, and, and make it applicable. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway. let me ask you the, uh, Corley Moore guide to reading on firehouse vigilance. You are going to start a book club, correct? Where you're going to start sharing your insights and books for the read, because okay, so I'll be honest with you. I, I think I think just listening to this for the last say, you know, 15 minutes or so this conversation on reading and how important that is to you. Um, I think you have so much to share in that regard. And maybe you're creating these slides and, and memorizing this information so that you can pay that forward because like your guests and how you're paying it forward by sharing stories of your guests, I think your personal experiences with your books and your readings and your intellect would go and speak volumes for your followers. And, um, and I think you should do, you know, every time, every time you do your weekly scrap, you're like, hold on, what was that? I want to write that down. Yeah. Right. And, and so to me, that is so incredible because you're, you're collecting all this data, share it. There's so many people that would love to see it. 
And um, if you're, you know, and if that's a something you're okay with, it's just something a whole yeah. other something else that I think you can really add incredible value. Um, no, to, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Now I do have, I do have one post that is every book that's been suggested by a guest, you know, it's their suggestions and yeah. it fits on Facebook and it's, I uh, got a link to the Amazon. Uh, the problem is like a lot of things I go too far on. I should have just listed the book and let people do it. But instead I had to go find the link, find a picture. Of the book I got it, I got it. And it's like, it goes to like episode 30. So I'm 40 episodes behind on updates. All right, well, listen, share that. And I, I think too, if if down the road, you know, to share your slides, it's it's almost like cliff notes. And uh, and I think that'd be really interesting to see. Uh, and I, I think it brings incredible value for sure. Because I, so. I, I think the whole aspect of creating that presentation is huge. Like that is... I mean, like I said, you, you said that and something clicked in my head and I was like, yeah, all right. Cause there's, there's certain subjects that I can read and I can remember them. There's others that I get. It's just like, I, said, I don't know where it goes, you know, uh, dude, but, for me. And uh, is that I, I'll get an idea for concept for, so for example, I'm working on this current uh, presentation, which is called doers. Why are some people doers? And, you know, others aren't. And it starts with the Pareto principle and breaks it down and talks about how the Pareto principle folds in on itself and everything else. And it, it alludes to Inception, the movie, and it's really cool. But uh, one, of the, one of the things on it, I had this idea for action. Action is where it all starts. So when you take an action, it only goes two directions. But I had to build the slide for it. And so the, act, the word action pops up and then these two arrows. Well, all you can do is fail or succeed when you take an action, right? So if you fail, what happens? You, you know, hopefully you learn from it and then you go back and you take another action. Now, you can fail over and over and over, but hopefully you're learning every time. And even if you're a dumb fireman, even if you're a truckie, eventually <laughs> you can succeed. So, uh, but anyway, sorry, on a tangent of building that slide, really locked in these whole concepts of these things yeah. I was working on, on doing. Anyway, awesome. it was <clears throat> good. Well, we're going to be looking forward to, <laughs> I, I know you got your Amazon book list, but uh, I'm looking forward to you to diving into that and sharing okay. some more because okay. I think, uh, I think there's a lot there, brother. Awesome. So man. I appreciate all it. Right. So listen, this has been incredible. Where I'd like to go now is uh, on National Fire Radio. We like to ask all of our guests five questions. Awesome. And so we <laughs> are going to ask the five questions for firefighters. And okay. so we're going to hop in on the first question is, what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? Corley Moore. All right. Uh... Oh, and by the way, we get to award points. So as you get now, these are, you know, it's my point system. Rob doesn't even have a say. Okay. Right, you know what, Rob, you, Rob, you can do points too. We'll do it on a sliding scale from one to 10 and 10, 10 being 100% the correct answer. One being try again. Okay. Uh, Rob, you will, Rob, you will judge. I will judge on Coily's answers. So, and it's completely arbitrary as to how we award points. I believe that's what you tell your guests. So we're telling the same to you. 100%. So Corley Moore, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? Let's do this. Question number one, what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? Corley Moore, go. I'm going with realistic, relevant, and rigorous training in the fire service. The lack of it creating training scars and setting up our young and, and even older men and women of the fire service for failure. In the words of Corley Moore, right on. Now, will you, will you hop? I don't know if we do this in the five questions, but I'm going to ask. Okay. Right. I think you're, I, I, I am not going to give you a score yet, but I do want to say this. I think you, I think you hit something here that is uh, incredibly important. And it is a massive issue facing today's fire service. What are we doing about it? That's a good question. I think, uh, the discussion at least has started from places like National Fire Radio, from the Weekly Scrap, from a lot of other influences out there. At least the discussion is being talked about and how um, I, things are in the way of keeping, I mean, 
we obviously don't want to get people killed in, in training. That's not of course. the goal. We, you know, that's not the goal. But we also can't um, train in class one buildings fighting or type one buildings fighting class A fires and expect people to have any sort of concept of what's going to happen when they get into gaseous soup on a type five construction. Right on, man. Filled with, filled with nothing but, but polyurethane plastics and foams. I, I, diesel fuel and sw- swirling around so absolutely and in the five questions we asked for a little explanation we're not going to go too much further but i think uh i think that is a very good answer and follow-up rob i'd like you to judge his answer please score i gave that a 10 I love really it. i love it now, i gotta tell you so here's one of the Qu- secrets to scoring and i'm giving you guys the, the inside scoop and i've told people this before so it may not even be inside scoop for you guys but if the person giving the answer can get me to interject and talk because of what they're saying then they get more points See what I'm i saying? get it I get so it. So if, All if right. their well, answer is just like I'm listening, and I'm like, okay, that was good. Well, good. I appreciate I appreciate the way you score, but here we score our <laughs> way. All right, Corley. And uh, right I'm gonna give you I'm giving you a seven. Okay. But because there was a follow up explanation, maximum award. You get like ten it. points. Like it. Ten points. Corley Moore. Question number two. What is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Man, I've actually, I mean, obviously 79 scraps. I've asked this question so many times. I'm trying to nail down what is the <laughs> number one thing. But it truly has to be, man. Because a lot of people say the, the, it's the young generation coming up. But, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not like I'm unexcited for them in the future. But that's not, I, I re- it really has to be technology and where it's going. You know, what? 10 years ago, people didn't know. And when I started this thing, or, yep. you know, my fire service career was 97. So the internet was like this little bloop, you know, I get it. Yeah. So, I get it. it. Technology now is, is advancing so fast. Yes. If, if, that, if and I, you know, in my 26 years in the fire service from where I started to today, I mean, pff, come on, forget about it. Yes. The, uh, well, go ahead. No, I, I'm saying if, if, if I get to make the 10 years, I hope to finish out uh, body willing, career willing, everything else, health willing. Uh, I, I'm excited to see where that, where that, what it looks like in 10 years. Oh, same here, brother. Same here. <clears throat> Rob, what do you have on that? One through 10, 10 being the right answer. I'm, I'm going on an eight on that one. Ooh, ooh, an eight. Oh, it's uh, solid. I like eight. Eight's a solid number. I mean, if we're doing pizza scores, maybe, right? Sure. I mean, that's a real solid number for pizza scores. Uh, I, Cor- <laughs> Corley Moore, I'm going to award you a 9.2. 9.2. 9.2. Oh, only because, oh, keeping it real. You guys are keeping only it because I, like I interjected it. and I liked your answer and exp- expanded on it. So the, well uh, done, sir. This isn't, a, this isn't no soft, uh, soft serve. I like it. No, nope, no nope. automatic tens. No softballs here, brother. No softballs. I, I like it. Question number three: the best rank position to be in in the fire service. Hands down, period. No discussion. It's the only right answer, and it's company officer. No, no elaboration nope. needed. Looks, it's quiet. I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, there it is. Absolutely, I did, dude. I know this is the only yeah. one on your show, Corley, that you are a staunch. Well, this and the uh, <laughs> and the last one, but you're a staunch proponent of the company officer. Uh, I will award you ten points out front, Robert. Ten, yeah, ten. I agree. Ten. Never want to leave this position. Corley so Moore, rocking a yeah. You're rocking. You're rocking. You're rocking a nice score here, pal. This is good. Number four. This one's tough. This is a tough yeah. question. Number four, Corley Moore, are you ready for number four? I'm getting, Best I'm buying, advice. I'm buying myself some time here. Hold on a second. Yeah, I figured. I figured. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it. I got Best it. advice you ever received. This is a man. There's so much, so much, and I'm going to go. And it's it's back to when I was like, I literally remember this memory. I was like seven years old, and it was like a '67 Plymouth. I don't even know what it was because it wasn't a Plymouth muscle car. And my dad was. Uh, 
stitching up the back seat because the old vinyl with the piping had busted. And uh, this is an old car. But he told me that it had busted, you know, months before, but he didn't fix it. He told me this and it stuck with me ever since, which is a stitch in time saves nine. It's just an old trite saying, right? But I remember that from like age seven. And uh, it stuck with me ever since. And it even, it even applies now to the consistency. It's so like put in the time now and you will save yourself so much time later. It's about investment. It's about, and it goes to the problems don't get better with time. You take care of things now. And that's, that's served me so well, even on accident, even though I didn't actually, you know, think of, oh, a stitch in time saves nine. I guess I'll go take care of this. Anyway, that's that's my answer. What? A, what, what? Come on. You practiced that one. That was, no, you're pulling out the heart. Times. You're pulling out the heartstrings on that one. You're looking for max points right out of the gate on that on that answer. Well, that's outrageous. One. Listen, man, that is, I'll tell you right now, that is, um, that's incredible. And I've listened to a lot of your episodes. And that, I think, is just a, an incredible way to explain a piece of advice and uh what an experience for you no. uh that's that's Sorry. awesome no what, you're I good. want to qualify it by saying is that i've asked that question so many times that sometimes you know i'm done with the interview and I, you know it's over and i'm sitting back and i'm like what is the best advice i've ever received and i've so i've obviously processed it many many times but anyway go ahead that is deep uh, i will award you max points i love it uh, i don't know if rob's gonna be as generous though i'm can, no, rob i'm gonna give him max points on that Ooh. one i'm Ooh. crushing this this five questions thing you are. And and the last one, I know your answer, but I want to hear why. So question number five, Corley Moore, for the last question of the five questions for firefighters, are you ready? Yes. Heavy fire, tenable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Man, this was a no-brainer for me forever. I love, I mean, if you can make a grab, you know, you 30 years for 30 seconds, what are you going to do if you can't make the grab? Uh, so it was always a no-brainer for me. Someone posted on Twitter like last week and said, Hey chief, is this the kind of fire you're talking about with heavy fire and searchable space? And it was a, it was a rock and rolling fire with this one window over here. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. And uh, I was like, Holy crap. That's one I would really love to have the nozzle on. So it made me pause. <laughs> it made me pause and step back. Cause that one looked like a lot of fun. And I actually, Oh, that's awesome. I actually tweeted back to him that that's one I would really love to have the nozzle on, but no hundred percent. And that's the reason, that's the reason that it says fire on the side of our truck is cause so we can go and save lives. And you know, if, that, that's the reason well said brother well said no. i will i will say on your show man you hear these engine guys and that's it all they talk about is that nozzle They're like nope nozzle i'm gonna be on a nozzle best place in the fire ground and they do create ten i mean they have good arguments they create tenable space. they create space with the nozzle you know they're gonna go in there and 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 so i i love the question because both answers you know i just want to hear course. the i want to hear the of reason. course listen all five of these questions are fun and it's a huge part of your show at the end to get to know the personality of your guest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as you go through the scrap, um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself, the way you moderate and ask questions. I, I love it. I mean, you're just a great interviewer, but the guest and getting to know the guest. And then at the end with these five questions, it's fun, right? Cause you get a little more personality out of them uh, and so on. And so uh, I do have to award you points. I will give you a 10 on that only because it's your question, so you can answer it however the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Robert, uh, you giving a max score on that? I'm giving a max score on that one. I, I'm like a poorly more. Yeah, 49.2 well, according to Jeremy. That's I yeah. Like I gave you a 9.2. Rob gave you an eight. So just you know, I'll take the Jeremy score. The 49.2 sounds good. Mm -hmm. My man, <laughs> what a what an awesome five questions, and even more so, what an incredible time tonight getting to know you um, and having this conversation. It's just been. Great. This has been a really great episode. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, everything we're going to do down the road together. I think yes. there's a long, I oh, think there's yeah, a long absolutely. future here. 
Um, and it's just, it's nice to, um, it's nice to get the backstory on battalion chief Corley Moore, uh, who has been in love with the job for a very long time. And you're paying it forward in the ways that you do. Um, Rob, any last words before we get his, uh, handles and where people can find him as we wrap. There's a lot to take in here. I know. Right. Um, but no, I, you know, Corley, the one thing that I really say, like, I appreciate everything you do in the fire service, but, uh, Tonight, the discussion, especially, you know, bringing out this whole conversation on the uh, ISTP and back to my notes here um, and the process, I think that like there were so many things that fired off in my head when we started having that conversation about routine and building it because um, like even for you as that young firefighter, one of the things that really kicked off for me is like, you know, do the people that are coming in now, do the young people have even a routine? Like we talk about it on our platform all the time. We have to teach them what mixed gas is. You know, we had a, a day where we were talking with some folks and they're like, yeah, like we're at a point where we have to teach them how to actually mop. Like right. we can't say, go get the mop. We have to show them the process of it. So I think that, you know, when I look at some of the issues that we're tackling with in the fire service and you having that ability to hold that book up and say, this is, this is a couple of things that I do. Like, you know, brother, I don't, I don't think you get how much of a resource that's going to be. Cause I think that's like that, that to me just blew me out of the way out of all the things we talked about like that. I would, because there was just like, there, I think there's so much tremendous value in that. And, you know, I, awesome. I thank you for everything you added in tonight. I mean, it was, this is, this is fantastic. So. Well, thanks for saying that. Cause that, for me, that's just a goofy thing I do that, that, yeah. So thank you. I love it. Well, brother, thank you. Um, we appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to be here tonight with us. Um, we value uh, this time tonight. We value you, uh, this new friendship. Uh, and, uh, and I look forward to so many more uh, times talking and looking forward to sharing a pop with you down the road and uh, you know, just catching yes. up in person. It'll be nice. Um, 100% man. It's going to be uh, dude. I, I'm on national fire radios podcast. I'm like, I'm like living the dream. This is the, that's, awesome the for me. that's the, that's <laughs> the, I award you no points for what you just said. You get no points. Zero, for that. zero points. Zero. Okay. So Cor Corley, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, if they want to reach out or where they can find the weekly scrap um, and so on, please. Uh, Firehouse vigilance, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's where it's at. Uh, the weekly scrap that goes live on Facebook. It's very intermittent because it's on two firefighter schedules that kind of smash them together. So it's, it's called the weekly scrap and it's, it's roughly once a week but uh other than that uh yeah that's awesome it. brother i love it well listen like i said it was an absolute honor to have you here tonight uh i'm excited that i found firehouse vigilance and i'm super excited i found the weekly scrap uh and i do listen to it regularly now when it comes out uh and so on so it is just uh, it's important to me because i i value the content that comes out of what you're doing so um thank you for that you. and uh you know moving forward much success with everything that you do uh, if Rob and I and the team could ever help you with anything that you have going on, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, we'd be more than happy to get behind you on anything. And, awesome. uh, and vice wish... versa, man. Yeah, cool. I look forward to our past physically crossing. Yeah. So hundred percent. Awesome. hundred percent. Looking forward to that. And uh, I just want to thank all the listeners tonight for tuning in. Um, you can find us on YouTube, obviously. And then on all the social media platforms, as well as uh, on all the players, uh, Spotify, iTunes down the line. Um, so thank you for checking us out. Please check out Corley uh, on his platform, Firehouse Vigilance. He's just doing incredible things with the weekly scrap and everything else. And we're going to be looking forward to his uh, the Corley Moore book club coming out and, uh, and, and a lot of other things that uh, we talked about tonight. So uh, Rob, take us out of here, my man. A pleasure. Everybody's <laughs> Bob 
National Fire Radio with Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. This one's been a home run. Yeah, we'll see for guys sure. later. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in this week and listening to another episode on the National Fire Radio podcast channels. We truly appreciate the support. We thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our interviews, our roundtables, our discussions. It means the world. Like, share, leave a comment. The more we engage, the more we can grow and push the word out and keep making this job better.